Chapter 19 of The Romance of Modern Electricity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Rick Cordray. The Romance of Modern Electricity by Charles R. Gibson. Chapter 19 Electricity from Mechanical Motion. A Powerful Substitute for Batteries how a dynamo works, alternating currents, an analogy, whence the magnets get their current, advantages of alternating currents. Sir Humphrey Davy used a battery of 2,000 cells to produce his historic electric arc, and all the early electric lamps were worked in a similar manner by batteries. As the upkeep of a battery means the renewal of the zinc plates, etc., and a great deal of attention when a large battery is used, it is quite clear that electric lighting would never have come into general use unless some better substitute had been found to replace the expensive and troublesome battery. The finding of a suitable substitute was arrived at in this way. Our great British scientist, the late Michael Faraday, found that if a loop of wire were moved up and down between the poles of a magnet, there was a current of electricity set up in the wire. Faraday pictured a magnetic field between the poles of the magnet, and his imagination filled this space with lines of force. And he said it was when the coil or loop of wire passed through these imaginary lines that a current was originated. It was quite evident that it was only as long as he kept the coil moving up and down in the magnetic field that the current was present in the wire. The next step was to mount a coil of wire on a spindle and revolve it in the space between the poles of a magnet, and, as was anticipated, the effect was greatly enhanced, because the coil could be made to pass through the imaginary lines of force much oftener. The little magnetoelectric machines sometimes used for medical purposes, but perhaps oftener for amusement by dealing out electric shocks, are simply arrangements by which, when one turns a handle on the outside of the box, a coil is made to spin round in the neighborhood of a magnet. It then occurred to people to make such machines on a very much larger scale, and to use steam engines to drive the coils round at a great speed. Such contrivances were called dynamo-electric machines, which name we have discarded, merely using the word dynamo, from the Greek dynamis, or force. In the small experimental machines at first constructed, ordinary steel magnets were used, but in order to get a stronger magnetic field, these were soon replaced by electromagnets. A dynamo now consists of a coil or coils of wire mounted on a shaft or spindle, this part being called the armature, and driven around at a high speed between the poles of an electromagnet. It is all very well to know that there is an electric current set up in the revolving coil, but how are we to get the current away from the continually moving coil? We cannot, of course, have wires directly attached to the coil, as they would be twisted and broken off as soon as the coil began to spin around. We can, however, keep in touch with the revolving coil by a very simple arrangement, as shown in a diagram in the text. A single rectangular loop of the wire is here shown with the two ends attached to two pieces of metal, which have been bent round the end of the spindle, but insulated from it and from each other. 
These we will call the contact pieces. Two flat pieces of metal, marked B in the diagram, and called brushes, although they perhaps look more like combs, press against the contact pieces on the shaft. On looking at the diagram, it is now clear that the current has a path out from the loop by the top brush, through the wire attached, which may lead to a lamp, and back by the lower brush to the coil, thus completing the circuit. When the coil or loop revolves, the brushes will, of course, keep in touch with the coil, but they will change partners as regards contact pieces at each half rotation. This changing of partners is very convenient, for when the coil in its revolutions enters the magnetic field in front of the north pole of the magnet, the current flows in one direction, while on leaving that part of the field the current setup is in the opposite direction. So what we really have in the coil as it spins around is a current pulsating first in one direction and then in the other at every half revolution. Again, looking at the diagram, it is clear that if the current is passing out from the loop or coil by the top contact piece, the brush touching it will conduct the current away to the main circuit, in which are placed the lamps, etc., while the current returns by the lower brush. Let us follow the lower contact piece only. As it leaves the lower brush, the current in the coil changes in direction so that by the time it reaches the top brush, the current, instead of entering the coil by this contact piece, is now leaving it. When the other contact piece was in the same position, it was also the exit for the current. And so we find that whichever contact piece is uppermost, it is the exit for the current in the coil. And in this way, the brush fixed at the top is always leading out the current. We therefore have a current flowing in one direction through the outer circuit. If we had two different objects, one hot and the other cold, and if we imagine these two bodies changing alternately from hot to cold, one always being hot while the other was cold, we could place the left hand on the hot object and the right hand on the cold object, and then changing the position of the hands just as the bodies change temperature, we could always have the left hand on the object that was hot and the right hand on the cold object. If this were possible in practice, we should have a continuous flow of heat through the body from the left hand to the right. In similar fashion, we have a continuous flow of electricity from the one brush to the other, the brushes standing stationary, and the changing contact pieces moving from one brush to the other. It is a simple case of two negatives making a positive. Instead of consisting of flat pieces of metal, the brushes are usually made of little blocks of carbon carried in a suitable holder, and these give a splendid rubbing contact with the armature's contact pieces. Instead of there being only two contact pieces, as in the diagram, a large armature is built up of a number of separate coils, each coil having two contact pieces, arranged so that the brushes simultaneously touch the two ends of one coil, then the two ends of the coil following it, and so on. Instead of having only one electromagnet surrounding the revolving coil, it is now common to have several magnets arranged to act together so that the coil passes the poles of each magnet in rotation. But the general principle is represented in the simple diagram shown in the text. Remembering that in the revolving coil there is really a quickly pulsating current, first in one direction and then in the other, let us try and get at this current directly without converting it to a continuous current. 
if we take away the two contact pieces shown in the diagram and place two complete rings alongside each other on the shaft, insulating them from each other and from the shaft, we may now fasten one end of the coil to each of these ring contact pieces. If we then place the top brush in contact with one ring and the lower brush against the other ring, it is clear that each brush will always remain in contact with its own ring and there will be no interchanging of partners as was the case with the first arrangement. Consequently, there will be no reversal of the current coming from the coil. So we shall have a pulsating current in the outer mains just as we have in the revolving coil itself. Such a pulsating current, first in one direction and then in the other, is called an alternate or alternating current. And a dynamo arranged with these complete rings is called an alternator or an alternating dynamo. The arrangement of contact pieces and brushes on a continuous current dynamo is termed the commutator, as it commutes or changes the current. For a diagram of alternator, see the page in the text. Before leaving these dynamos to see what we can do with them, there's an interesting point to note. Where is the large electromagnet to get electricity from to produce its magnetism? We simply steal some of the current that the dynamo is generating and pass it round the magnet. That is all very well when we once have the currents coming from the dynamo, but how are we to get it started? When a dynamo has once been used, the iron of the magnet always retains a trace of magnetism sufficient to set up a very weak field. When the coil revolves very rapidly in this, a correspondingly weak current is produced, which goes to augment the magnet, and so on, till very quickly the dynamo is in full working order. When a dynamo is constructed, there is usually sufficient magnetism in the iron itself to set up a weak field at the very outset. But if not, it could be easily momentarily coupled to the electric supply mains. It is very convenient to be able to feed the magnet with the current which it is itself producing, but we can only do this with a continuous current dynamo. The current going round the magnet must be all in one direction. And so, where the electricity is being led away from the dynamo as an alternating current, it will not do to pass this round the magnet. To work an alternating dynamo, we therefore require to have a separate exciter, which consists of a small continuous current dynamo, or, if there be a number of alternating dynamos working in one station, it is more convenient to run one continuous dynamo to feed all the magnets. It might seem very inconvenient to have a pulsating current continually changing its direction in the circuit, but while at first this class of dynamo was left severely alone, it has of recent years come well to the front. Before considering the advantages which have brought this dynamo into a prominent position today, let us see what takes place in a circuit in which an alternating current is at work. If a small glow lamp be put in the circuit leading from an alternating dynamo, arranged just as described, and if the alternations of the current be slow, there will, of course, be a great unsteadiness in the light, as the current will practically cease at the moment of change from one direction to the other. If, however, the armature coil is driven round at a very high speed, the current may be made to change its direction as often as 50 times in one second. With such rapid alterations, the light will be perfectly steady as far as we are able to detect it with our eyes, for at each 50th part of a second 
we have a light thrown upon the retinas of our eyes, and as the image of a bright light will not fade away for about one-tenth of a second, each of the fifty pulsations in the lamp will overlap its predecessor, and we may imagine our eyes receiving, as it were, a perfectly continuous somatograph impression of a quickly pulsating light. Even at this speed of fifty alternations in one second, there is bound to be a sudden rise and fall in the current at each pulsation, although not visible to the eye. For some purposes, even this would be detrimental, but this further difficulty is overcome by winding two separate coils on the one armature and arranging them so that when the current is at its turning point in the one coil, it will be at its maximum in the second coil, or better still, if three separate coils and pairs of brushes be used, the defect can be further reduced. We can imagine an alternating current as a wave swinging to and fro, and this we call its phase, so that when two coils are used, and there is, as it were, two separate waves overlapping each other, this is called a two-phase current. Or we may speak of a machine with three coils as a three-phase alternating dynamo. When describing the principle of the arc lamp, it was noted that the particles of carbon broke away from the point of the carbon pencil at which the current enters the arc, and it is therefore obvious that this carbon will waste away very much quicker than its neighbor, in point of fact, about twice as quickly. If we now use an alternating current, the current will be first entering at one pencil and then at the other, so that both will waste away equally which is a considerable advantage in favor of an alternating dynamo as far as arc lighting is concerned. Another advantage, which has been recognized in these alternators, is that we can conveniently obtain a much higher voltage or pressure, which makes the distribution of current over a long distance much easier, and the alternating current is very simply changed from a high voltage to a lower one or vice versa. Of course, the alternating current is of no use for some purposes, as, for instance, electroplating, in which process a steady current is required to carry the metal over from the plating material to the article being plated. However, an alternating current may be made to drive a motor, which in turn drives a continuous current dynamo, and in this way a current of the one class may be altered to a current of the other class at very little loss. In speaking of these dynamos, I have only mentioned a fixed magnetic field and a rotating armature in which the current is induced. But it is, of course, as easy to have these two reversed. And so we have some dynamos in which the electromagnets form the moving part, the coils in which the current is induced being stationary. End of chapter 19.